Hey y'all, Jake Bible here. Thank you for listening to the original podcast recording of Dead Mech that I released way back in 2009. I've had a lot of folks ask for these original recordings, so I thought I'd put them back out there for y'all to enjoy. The episodes will be released weekly for free, but if you don't want to wait, then head over to jakebible.substack.com and subscribe. Links are in the show notes. Paid subscribers receive access to all 26 episodes right now. And that's not all. Subscribers receive access to early release ebooks, getting them before they even go on sale in my online store or any of the retail sites, plus early access to new audiobooks, exclusive short stories, including the weekly Friday Night Drabble Party, live readings, and so much more. That's jakebible.substack.com. Subscribe now and get all the goods. Now, enjoy a little bit of the past. Thank you. You're listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel, written and performed by Jake Bible. This story is available only as a podcast novel and is not for the faint of heart. If you can't stand blood, gore, graphic violence, foul language, cannibalism, zombie hordes, or sexual situations, well then, you aren't invited to this party. For more details and info, go to jakebible.com. Feel free to leave your mark there. It's only fair. Episode 22 Chapter 11, Part 1 June put her finger to her lips as the door slid open and Thamopolis stepped into the train compartment. How's he doing? Thamopolis whispered. He's been asleep for an hour now, June responded. How are Bisbee and Jethro? Bisbee's stable, and I've already prepped the arm for prosthetics. Jethro isn't doing as well, the doctor sighed. Will he make it? Physically, yes. We can keep his body alive indefinitely. His mind, though, probably has 24 hours. Thamopolis motioned towards a chair. But let's move on to you. Have a seat here and let's get a better look at your injuries. The first wave is here, sir, Specialist Wynn announced. How many? Lieutenant Murphy asked. 87,000 on the ground and 14 transports, Wynn responded. Lieutenant looked at her communications specialist. Are you fucking shitting me? No, sir, those numbers are shit-free, Wynne said. Smartass, Saul said, looking over Wynne's shoulder at the tablet. Murphy activated her comm. Dig in, folks. I want concealed defensive positions set up. Who has the charges? I do, sir, Austin replied. Good. Get over here. We're going to need to plot out some special placement for those. You got it, Lieutenant, Austin said. June painfully pulled her shirt over her head. Thamopolis nodded at the wrapping and began to unwind the cloth from her midsection. Looks like the railer medics have done a decent job, Thamopolis said, but I'd like to get a better... Oh, sweet Jesus, June! The doctor looked up into June's eyes. The pilot held her gaze, never flinching as Thamopolis carefully probed the deep purple bruises. Do you want to talk about it? Do you? June asked. I can go into grisly detail if you want. Thamopolis winced at June's tone. The ribs are definitely broken. Yeah, I know. 
Um, sir, Johnson is aware of our presence. I don't see how setting up any position is going to be a tactical advantage, Specialist Soul said. Lieutenant Murphy turned to her second in command. Would you rather we all just stand here with our dicks in our hands? No, sir, but I'd like to see you try, Saul smirked. Murphy narrowed her eyes and Saul cleared his throat. I'm just saying that maybe this isn't our stand. Maybe we should just let happen what's going to happen and assess the situation after the dust settles. Murphy narrowed her eyes further. A light knocking on the compartment door brought a welcome distraction from the room's tension. The door slid open and the rookie peeked his head in. Sorry to interrupt. Bisbee's coming out of it and he's not being very cooperative. Okay, we're done. I'll be right there, Thermopolis said, handing June her shirt. Rest if you can. June didn't respond. Her eyes and attention locked on the rookie. Who the fuck are you? The rookie was taken aback and looked to Thermopolis and back to June. Um... I'm the rookie, remember? June, are you all right? What's wrong? Thermopolis asked, alarmed. I'm going to explain this one time and one time only, Murphy said, her anger barely contained. This is our stand. This is our fight. And if it's the last one, so be it. She looked at her unit, assessing each member carefully. If we run and Johnson wins this shit, then we could be some of the only people left alive in the whole fucking world. She grabbed up her AR-715 autocarbine and checked the chamber. And it may not mean much to you gents, but I really don't want to have the only working uterus in the wasteland. You should rest, Thermopolis said, trying to divert June's attention from the rookie. Who the fuck are you? June asked again, ignoring the doctor. That's the rookie, June, Thermopolis said. June gave the doctor a look of reproach and stood, moving towards the door. Fuck all that rookie shit. Where did you come from? You aren't city-state, are you? The rookie snorted. Did one of the railers tell you? No, I'm not city-state. I was born in the waste. I'm, was, a boiler. June stumbled back and Thermopolis reached out to steady her. You look just like him. June growled. You have less than a .003% chance of surviving this day, the outsider's voice, Johnson's voice, boomed. Submit now. Give up? I miss kicking your ass? I don't think so, Matthew responded. How about you open up instead and we have a nice face-to-face? -face? Johnson laughed, the sound turning into a cackle, then snarl. This door will never open again, for anyone. You know, I have to try to get in, right? Matthew asked. I kind of have a situation on my hands, and I really think the solution is behind that 20 feet of iron and steel. Can you give us a minute? The rookie asked Thermopolis. June and I need to talk. Thermopolis looked to June, and the woman nodded. Okay, I'll be in with Bisbee. I'll come back later and check on you again, June before we get to, well, wherever we're going. The doctor left reluctantly, and the rookie closed the door behind her. Who do I look like? he asked. Does the name Olivia mean anything to you? June watched the rookie closely. Or the boss? Anger flashed briefly across the rookie's face. June sighed and sat. Yes, we do need to talk. 
Arlo didn't bother dodging the debtors in her path. She just kept a straight heading, throttle at full while she operated the transport's weapons systems. Five of the UDC transports turned about, ready to engage. Fuck me, she muttered, knowing she didn't have the capabilities to fend off a full attack. The screen to her right bleeped shrilly, but Harlow ignored it, busy trying to devise a way out of her latest impossible situation. The screen bleeped again, louder, then again, and again. What? she shouted, then seeing what was on the screen, she smiled. Well, hello there, little guy. Charge is set, sir, Specialist Austin said over his comm. Good thing the approach to the stronghold was designed to bottleneck. We might have a shot at stopping them, or at least slowing them down. Great job, Austin, Lieutenant Murphy responded. Hold tight for my mark. Will do, Austin said. ETA when? Murphy asked. Any minute now, sir, the specialist answered. A steady vibration began to make itself felt. Or they could be here now, Wynn said, checking his tablet. Dead ahead, sir. Lieutenant Murphy and Specialist Soul lifted their binox in unison and scanned the approach to the stronghold. You now have a less than .0007 chance of survival, Johnson's inhuman voice echoed. Submission is your only option. You see, that's just bad math, Matthew said. If I have a .0007 chance, then submission is not my only option. I don't think all your synapses are firing right. You cannot comprehend the synaptic complexity of my being, Johnson yelled. That's where you're wrong, Johnson, old pal, Matthew laughed. I not only can comprehend, but I'm pretty much living it right now. He is attempting a scan, Shiner warned. Let him, Matthew responded. He should know what he's up against. You okay, Papa Bear? Rachel asked over the comm. Fine, Caprizi grunted. You sure? Because I need to know your head is in the game, Rachel said. Who's the commander here? Caprizi asked. Me or you? Well, sounds like it's me right now, unless you plan on shoving that hurt down deep and getting your ass ready to fight, Rachel replied. Caprizi sighed to himself. I'm amazed at how well you turned out and frightened at the same time. You are the perfect mech pilot. Yeah, well, you're the perfect commander and father. How about you start acting like it? Olivia raised me. Pissed the boss off, a woman raising his son, the rookie said quietly, seated next to June. He's always hated her filling my head with things larger than the next fight. How old were you when she helped you escape? June asked. Eleven? Twelve, maybe? I don't know. I never knew my birthday, and the doctors at Foggy Bottom could only approximate, the rookie laughed. Olivia would be horrified to know I escaped fighting in the pit to end up fighting in a cage. Just be thankful you escaped at all, June said, looking at the sleeping boy. Harlow keyed in the command and waited for acknowledgement. In a matter of seconds, four pinged back and Harlow smiled. Now I have a plan, she said aloud. Her smile quickly faded as warning alarms sounded. Fuck, she cursed, watching as the UDC transports locked their missiles onto the mech transport. Without stopping to think, Harlow launched all RPGs and the last few missiles preemptively, hoping to throw the other transport's attack off. She yanked the controls and turned the transport perpendicular with the others and tried to coax more power from the throttle. Come on, you piece of shit! 
I feel the mech trying to bypass my security, Johnson boomed. It will not succeed. He may be correct, Shiner said. There are complexities of code that I am unfamiliar with. It appears that the outsider has created his own language, reprogramming the UDC mainframe to run only on his commands. Which means? Matthew asked. It means that if we destroy Dr. Johnson, the mainframe will start to break down within the hour. All stored data, all of your humanity's collected history and information, would be lost. You will be left with only memories. Back to square one, Matthew responded. Zombies flew up over the front of the mech transport as Harlow plowed through the massive horde. Rotted limbs, putrid torsos, and badly decomposed heads smashed into the windshield, obscuring her view, making her rely more on the vid screens than what was right in front of her. Come on, little guy, bust ass and get here, she said. An explosion, then another, rocked the transport. Her readings told her all systems were online and functioning, but she knew it was only a matter of time before the missiles hit home. Gunfire erupted, and several more explosions shook the wasteland. I have visual, Wynn yelled. ETA ten minutes before we are swarmed by debtors. Okay, folks, Lieutenant Murphy shouted. You have your positions. Dig in and don't stop firing until you are empty. If you can draw a transport close enough to try to overtake, then do so. If we can get in one of those fuckers, then we stand a hell of a lot better chance of survival. This is the real shit, huh, sir? Specialist Kafar asked over the comm. Yes, Specialist, it is, Murphy answered. You ready for this? Born ready, sir, Kafar responded. We all were, Sol affirmed. You hear them chattering away as if they stand a chance? Johnson laughed, his semi-human, semi-synthesized voice cackling madly. Little ants to be stepped on. This guy's really starting to bug the shit out of me, Matthew said. I agree with the bug shit, Shiner said, but I believe I almost have access. Matthew watched with anticipation, but quickly despaired as a massive plate slid down in front of the stronghold entrance, adding yet another layer of protection against the breach. Our cerebral integration must be off, because I have a distinctly different definition of access, Matthew grumbled to Shiner. Thomopolis rounded the corner, nearly colliding with the rookie. Sorry, Doc, my fault, the rookie apologized. How's biz? He's as pissed off as ever, Thomopolis said, exasperated. He wants me to let him ride up in the engine control room so he can help with tactical. What about his arm? I saved enough nerves that he should be compatible for a full prosthetic, she answered. You and June have a good talk? Good? I don't know about that, but June knows she isn't alone anymore, the rookie sighed. We now have a lot more in common than I thought possible. Four kept on firing its 50mm gun, annihilating the UDC missiles as they sped towards the mech transport. Its first objective accomplished, the mini-mech turned on the transports themselves, its plasma cannon glowing red. Dodging cannon fire, it headed straight at the transports. A shell exploded feet from the mini-mech, the concussion knocking it to the ground. Barely missing a step, Four righted itself and continued on its direct path towards the transports. When only a couple yards away, it let loose a barrage of plasma bursts, aiming not for the windshields, but for the armored wheel wells and axles. Harlow watched the vid screen as she put as much distance between herself and the UDC debtors as possible. 
The mini-mech was holding up better than she'd hoped, and she hated what she would have to do. Okay, little guy, turn them around, she said. Four crippled several transports. Those still functioning pursued the mini-mech as it led them back into the zombie masses. Harlow checked her readings, calculated the distance, and set her hand above the large red button on the mini-mech control console. When certain she was as clear as she could get, she slammed the button home. The pile of deader corpses that Harlow left in the wasteland shuddered, the repaired undead reanimating, coming back to unlife. Hands and claws scratched and ripped their way through their unaffected brethren, tearing through carcasses to gain access to mobility once again. Several got to their unsteady feet, their slashed open skulls knitting back together as they lurched upright. The signal in their inoculated, tech-modified brains told them to march, to keep moving towards him. The wasteland turned white, and all things dead, undead, re-undead, disappeared in a blast of heat that boiled, then vaporized rotted flesh and bone. The Skinner Cavern collapsed as the ground above was scorched clean. Chunks of rock crushed the undead and the living by the dozens. Then all was dark and silent. Those that survived the deader attack, that survived the collapse, that had hidden themselves and loved ones, had hidden from the terror their society had so carefully tried to avoid, that waited in the blackness, waited for the world to stop quaking and for the chaos to settle, wept as the moans and hisses of the creatures that wouldn't die drifted to their ears, knowing they had brought this on themselves. Harlow felt the end of the transport lift, and she watched as every gauge on the control panel redlined. She gripped her chair as if death itself was trying to rip her from its fabric, which, in essence, it was. Harlow counted out the seconds, waiting for her world to flip end over end. She refused to close her eyes, choosing to face her fate head-on as she did with everything in life. By the time she had counted to sixty, she realized the heat shielding was holding and that systems were still online. She was still alive. The outsider roared, its mutated voice crashing and reverberating off the rock surrounding the UDC stronghold. I will dismantle you piece by piece as I listen to your cries for mercy and laugh. The fuck is he talking about? Matthew asked Shiner. I am unsure, Shiner responded. They are mine. I made them. I control them. They are not meant to die ever, ever, Johnson roared. I'm guessing something happened out in the waste, Matthew said over the loudspeaker. I'm also guessing some of my people may have put a wrench in your great and powerful debtor army plans. Long-range scanners have detected a detonation corresponding with the last known location of the mech personnel and railers, Stomper said. Masters grunted in response. Do you not care that your friends and allies may be harmed? No, Masters stated. They're big kids. They can take care of themselves. Should we not turn back and see if they need assistance? Some may have been injured. No, we aren't turning back, Masters yelled. Nothing matters except putting a bullet in the outsider's head. The fucker has a head. If it doesn't, I don't care. It's getting a bullet in something. Warning alarms sounded in the train engine control room. Jenny and Marin immediately checked all scanners. Wow, something just made a very big bang back there, Marin said, and I mean big. Timpson stepped up behind and checked the readings for himself. That's not normal ordnance. That is way too large a detonation. 
Readings are starting to clear, Jenny said. Holy fuck! That entire debtor army is gone. Things are still a bit fuzzy, but I don't have any movement on the scope. Well, whatever it was, looks like we now have one less problem to deal with, Marin said. That was four, Jay shouted over the comm. Are you sure? Caprizi asked. Yeah, I know when my tech goes boom, Jay said. I always add a little something extra, making the blast signature unique. It's part of the Jay Ryan service agreement. You know what, Jay? Rachel asked. What's that? When this is all over, we need to get you laid, she laughed. You've got way too much tech in that head, and you need to let it go. Don't I know it, Jay laughed as well. It's statements like that, Rach, that do a father proud, Caprizi sighed. Sir, should I cut them off or cut them in half? Specialist Austin asked. Wait until you can crush as many as possible, Lieutenant Murphy answered. Maximum damage is key, but if you can stop them or slow them, then do so. Roger that, Austin responded, his finger on the detonator. The special ops team watched the debtor army march slowly towards them, transports leading. Even with their training, the sight of a sea of zombies was unnerving. That's a lot of debtors, Specialist Grandetti said. Amen to that, man, Specialist Kafar agreed. Austin waited patiently, then depressed the button. The earth shook under Shiner Matthew's feet as Austin's charges detonated. Shiner Matthew checked its readings and Matthew smiled. Well, looks like the ants are bringing the walls down around your great army, Matthew smirked. Best laid plans and all that shit, huh? Silence. Not talking now. Aw, come on, don't be such a sore loser. Missile locks confirmed, Shiner said. All transports capable have targeted us. Just us? Yes, it appears so. Well, that's not fair now, is it? No, but we are the biggest threat, Shiner responded. Well, we'd better live up to that threat, Matthew grinned, checking weapon systems. Don't think, do, were the last words Matthew thought as a separate consciousness. He let his mind go and became a single unit with Shiner. The mech assessed the readings, plotted all countermeasures, and charged the oncoming transports. More explosions occurred as Austin detonated the second round of charges, and Shiner Matthew responded instantly, adjusting as needed to the rocking terrain. The mech dove under the first wave of missiles, letting them rocket past, then came up firing. Shiner Matthew watched the scope as the missiles changed course, doubling back on the mech. Shiner Matthew double-pumped its massive legs and leapt. Jesus Christ made a gravy, Grandetti swore as he watched the mech twist in the air, one arm firing plasma bursts back at the encroaching missiles and the other arm unleashing hot 50-millimeter lead upon the UDC transports below. The sniper turned his head away from the eyepiece as the first of the missiles were destroyed. Once the flash was gone, he returned his attention to the mech and gasped as the battle machine came down atop a transport, crushing the hull, but was back on its feet in a blink, continuing its assault. Hot damn, the sniper said. Still firing, Shiner Matthew executed a backflip off the crushed transport, landing feet first behind the machines. It ducked down as the missiles intended for it slammed into the vehicles that had fired them. The concussion sent Shiner Matthew rolling, but the mech was soon back up, grabbing the aft ends of two more transports. It swung them around like children's toys, tossing the transports high into the air above the mass of zombies. 
Two well-placed plasma blasts ripped the transports apart, sending hot shrapnel down on the undead, thinning their numbers considerably, while the rest of the zombie horde charged. Open fire, goddammit! Murphy yelled. Stop gawking and start killing! Those things are gonna overwhelm that mech! The special ops team did as ordered and truly began their assault on the Deader Army. Remember, headshots are no longer permanent on the inoculated. Take out the legs first. Try to immobilize them, the lieutenant shouted. Steady fire! Controlled bursts! This ain't our first dance, sir, Specialist Kafar responded over the comm. You can save your breath for when we're really slacking. If you're ever really slacking, I'll save my breath and use my boot. Don't you worry, Kafar, Murphy promised. Chiner Matthew began to quickly back away from the first wave of zombies, dropping plasma charges in its wake. Once row upon row of attacking zombies covered the charges, Shiner Matthew lit them up, the detonations shooting body parts into the air like undead geysers. The mech mowed down another three rows with a non-stop onslaught from its 50 millimeters, stopping only to let the guns cool so they wouldn't overheat and jam. Alarms warned that power was draining from its plasma cannon, so the mech launched all of its RPGs into the horde, painting the landscape with even more limbs and awful. Shit! Here they come! Specialist Soul yelled as many zombies turned their attention from the mech and onto the other sources of gunfire. Get ready, people! Dozens of undead scrambled up the rocky slope towards Saul, and he slowed his breathing, making every trigger pull count, going for headshots just to buy some time. He yanked a fractal grenade from his belt, pulled the pin with his teeth, and tossed it below. He continued to fire while counting to four, then ducked his head as the grenade exploded on the fifth second. Fuck yeah! Bring it, you deader fucks! Specialist Kafar took out as many of the undead as he could before a dozen were on him. He fought like a madman, punching and kicking anything that was within his reach. Deader hands clawed at the specialist's body armor, trying to get at the flesh beneath. Jaws clamped down on his arms, but the teeth merely broke off in their rotted gums, unable to penetrate the material. Yeah? How do you like that tech, motherfuckers? Kafar screamed, freeing an arm and yanking a steel baton from his belt. He extended the collapsible weapon and set to work. Knowing he was unable to reload in time, Specialist Austin had tossed aside his carbine and already had his batons extended. With brutal grace, he crushed undead skulls, shattered knees, femurs, forearms, and anything else unlucky enough to come within his reach. He kicked out, knocking zombie into zombie, creating a space of death around him. The debtors began to pull back, circling the Specialist, looking for an opening. Well, look at you all learning, Austin said. You're a little faster on the uptake than your average debtor, aren't you? The zombies growled and hissed, their dead eyes filled with rage. The deader tackled Lieutenant Murphy about the waist, knocking her to the ground. Fuck! she swore, thankful for the protective helmet as the zombie's jaw tried to clamp down on the tinted faceplate. More deaders piled on top of her and the weight threatened to crush her chest, squeezing all the air from her lungs. A little help! she yelled over her calm. Within a second, the deaders began to fall as one by one their heads exploded, coating her faceplate until the world was a gray-red blur. How's that, sir? Grandetti's voice asked. Perfect, specialist. Thanks. Wind screamed when his back twisted and snapped as three deaders hit the back of his legs and several more rammed his chest, nearly tearing him in two. Oh, God, no! he called out. 
Win! Sol shouted, desperately trying to fight his way to his teammate. Sol, please! Oh god, I can't feel my legs anymore, man! Someone help! Crap! I can't get a mercy shot through his helmet! Grandetti called over the comm. The debtors hammered at Nguyen's body, unable to get through the armor. Within seconds, the specialist hemorrhaged to death as his body was beat into a pulp. Sol rolled two grenades towards Wynn's corpse and the pile of debtors still attacking it. He dropped to the ground as the explosions made sure his fallen teammate wouldn't return as an enemy. One down, sir, he shouted to Murphy over the comm. Who? the lieutenant responded. Win, sir, Sol answered. I cleared the corpse. The second-in-command got to his feet and took the few seconds he had to survey the scene. All about him, raging zombies swarmed, many coming for him. He watched the other special ops members struggle and grapple. Grenades, people! Let's end this quick! Shiner Matthew sensed the grenade explosions about it as the special ops team tried to fend off their attackers. But the mech was never distracted as it laid down a steady stream of fire from its flamethrower, roasting a hundred zombies at once. Is 50 millimeters cool enough now to keep from seizing, the mech opened fire once again, ripping undead bodies into shreds. Shiner Matthew kept at it until the guns clicked empty and whirled to a stop, smoke curling from the ends of the rotating barrels. The mech stood, looking upon a dead sea of broken, dismembered, and scorched zombies. Maniacal laughter erupted from the stronghold's loudspeakers. Such ferocity! How I would love to take you as mine, send you out in the wasteland and destroy all that defy me. Shiner Matthew turned slowly, the two consciousnesses splitting back into their less integrated forms. It'll never happen, Matthew growled. Oh yes, I'm quite aware of that, Johnson said, for that was only a taste of what is in store. Almost a diversion, an amusement. I didn't find it very funny, Matthew stated. Then you certainly aren't going to laugh at the next course. Matthew, Shiner said, they are all here. Sound off, Lieutenant Murphy ordered as she pulverized the skull of her last zombie with the heel of her boot. Specialist Sol, all fingers, all toes. Specialist Austin, all fingers, all toes, cracked rib. Specialist Kafar, all fingers, all toes, hyperextended knee. Specialist Grindetti, all fingers, all toes. Murphy sighed. Godspeed, Nguyen. Godspeed, the rest of the team said in unison. There was a brief moment of silence, then the lieutenant was back to business. Full inventory now. I want to know what we have left for when the next army gets here. Yes, sir, the team shouted again in unison. How many am I looking at? Matthew asked. The numbers are so great it is impossible to get a full count, Shiner responded. Estimate, damn it! We're not setting the fucking table for dinner! I do not understand the reference. I am unsure what table settings have to do with- SHINER! Matthew roared, interrupting the AI. You have access to this information, but my estimation is close to 300,000, give or take 10 or 20,000. Matthew gulped. Transports? Those I have an exact count. 57, Shiner said. How much time? Matthew asked, knowing the answer. None, China replied. Each member of the special ops team made his way to the lieutenant, putting down debtors as they could, knowing many were going to rise again soon unless they could torch all the bodies. 
Once regrouped, they removed their helmets, savoring the fresh air on their sweaty faces. What are we looking at? Murphy asked as Soul sat next to her. Not good, the second-in-command said. Nearly all the grenades are gone, and we each have enough ammo to last maybe five minutes. At least we have a bullet each, Austin said. Not an option, Murphy snarled. Matthew could feel the ground vibrate all the way up in the cockpit from hundreds of thousands of deader feet. The rumble of the transports could be heard also, making the air hum as the colossal army of the dead moved towards them. Hey, folks, Matthew shouted. You're gonna want to get behind me. Murphy and her team stood and watched in awe as the approach to the stronghold was covered by row after row of debtors. Not a single member of the team waited for Murphy's order as they each grabbed up their gear and sprinted towards the mech. Submit and I'll spare you, Johnson said. Ain't happening, freak, Matthew shouted. I'm thinking death is a better option. Death? No, I don't plan on killing you. I plan on overpowering you, so your uniqueness may be studied, Johnson laughed. The lieutenant's team, however, will be slowly ripped apart, their innards eaten while they watch. Yeah, not thinking that's part of the plan either, Matthew replied. Tell your army to halt or I set the self-destruct and you'll have nothing to study. Johnson's cackle once again filled the air. Then self-destruct. Your dissection was only to be an amusement anyway. Whoa, did he just say we're going to have to watch while they eat our guts? Austin asked. I vote for self-destruct right now, please. No, no one self-destructing, Lieutenant Murphy shouted. Excuse me, Matthew said. I make the self-destruct call here. Shut it, mech, Murphy ordered. Um, okay, Matthew said. You've got the floor. Murphy turned to the stronghold. Johnson, listen, you've got to stop. If you kill everyone, then you will be alone, alone inside with nothing but debtors left out here. Oh no, Lieutenant. There are pockets of humanity still out there, pockets uncorrupted by UDC lies. That guy's fucking nuts, Specialist Austin mumbled. Insanity is relative, Johnson responded, mainly relative to the one that holds the power. Which would be me, since I just set the self-destruct, Matthew said. I don't know if it'll penetrate the stronghold, but I sure hope it fucks up your day. I canceled the self-destruct, Shiner said. What? You don't get to make that call. I'm the pilot, Matthew said angrily. But my consciousness will cease to exist as well. I have as much an interest in surviving as you do, Shiner insisted. But we can't beat those numbers, Matthew yelled. Are those numbers accurate? Timpson asked, staring at the scanner readings. Yeah, they are, Jenny responded. There has to be at least 300,000 debtors waiting at our destination. We are going to tear right through them in less than an hour. Jay, can your disc handle that many? Timpson asked. As long as those fucks are within the wave radius, yes, it can handle that many. But I don't know how long they'll stay down, Jay responded over the comm. It'll buy us some time, Caprizi joined in. We'll destroy as many as we can before they get back up. The special ops team waited while Shiner and Matthew had their internal argument. What's going on? Specialist Saul asked, glancing warily as the debtor army moved closer. Are we going to blow up or what? Those things are getting a little close. 
Just keep your sidearm handy in case you need to take care of yourselves, Lieutenant Murphy told her team. I don't know what the mech is doing. Hey, do you all feel that? Grandetti asked. Is the ground shaking? Um, the ground has been shaking for a while. There's a couple hundred thousand debtors marching toward us, Sol yelled. What is that? Timson asked, pointing at the scope. It's huge. It's Masters, Marin answered. He's just arrived at the stronghold, looks like. Good. Maybe he can thin the numbers for us before we get there, Jenny said. I doubt it, Jay said. Masters has revenge on his mind. The only thing that hothead is going to care about is getting inside the stronghold so he can kill the outsider. Is that possible? Can he get in the stronghold? I mean, isn't impenetrable kind of part of the whole stronghold thing? Jenny asked. Oh, he'll get in, Jay said confidently. Don't stop for anything, Masters ordered Stomper. Please quit yelling at me, Stomper said. Your anger is painful. Toughen the fuck up. I don't need no whiny bitch mech crying over hurt feelings. The hill Stomper didn't slow when it reached the rear of the debtor army. The 12-story machine bore down and destroyed everything in its path, grinding zombies into the wasteland dirt, crushing transports like cans, cutting a swath of chaos as it closed in on the stronghold entrance. That is Shiner Matthew ahead, Stomper stated. Masters activated his loudspeaker. Get the fuck out of my way, Maddie! Holy shit! Move, goddammit! Matthew screamed. The special ops team didn't wait to be told twice as the sight of the hill stomper charging towards them was motivation enough. Shiner Matthew piloted out of the way just in time before Masters kicked through the entrance gate, which only came up past the mech's ankle. It reached the stronghold's main entry in two strides and stopped. What's it doing? Austin asked. Why is it just standing there? In answer, the gigantic mech punched both fists right into the rock on each side of the main entry, burying its arms up to the elbows. Masters could hear metal strain and groan as the mech shifted its entire weight back and began to rip the stronghold's massive iron and steel entrance door right out of the mountainside. Are we going to hold? Masters asked Stomper. Yes, this is what I am built for, Stomper responded. Even with years of disuse, my arms can take much more than this. Good, because I may bring this whole fucking mountain down. Like the sound of the earth being split apart, the entrance door tore away from its stone moorings. Master spun about, tossing the thousand-ton chunk away. The special ops team stood in awe as they watched the stronghold's entrance door cut a hundred-foot-wide swath right down the middle of the debtor army. There's a few thousand less debtors to deal with, Sol said. What the hell is he doing? Austin asked, pointing at Masters as he repelled down Stomper. He doesn't plan on going in alone. Lieutenant Murphy looked at her team and they all nodded at once, grabbed up their gear and sprinted towards the wide-open stronghold. If he kills Johnson, all UDC data will be lost, Matthew shouted after the team. Kill anything that tries to get past you, Masters ordered Stomper as he dropped the last few feet to the ground. Even the human soldiers running this way? Stomper asked. Masters glanced over his shoulder at the approaching special ops team. I don't know who the fuck they are, so yeah, kill them. And what about Shiner Matthew? If they are planning on stopping me, then yes, kill them too. Masters turned on his halogen, but the beam was swallowed by the gloom. The grief-mad mech pilot pulled his sidearm and stepped into the oppressive darkness of the stronghold.
You have been listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel. The preceding episode was recorded and produced by the author. The intro music was Miles and Miles by Lake Acres. Outro music is Destroy by The Eternal. Both tracks available at podsafeaudio.com. Title graphic by Ed Delaney. Find him at peculiarcomics.com. This recording is protected by a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivative works, United States 3.0 license. You can share it, copy it, and give it to anyone you want. Just don't edit it, change it, or try to make any money off it without direct permission from the author. Thank you for listening. My head is Thank you for listening to this episode of the re-release of the original podcast of Dead Mech. Don't want to wait until next week for a new episode? Go subscribe at jakebible.substack.com and you'll get access to all episodes right now. Or you can go to my website or any major retailer and get the audiobook narrated by Julie Hoverson. You can also get the ebook, which is free on all major retailer sites, as well as my own store. Go to jakebible.com for more info. Thanks, y'all. Cheers.